I think this is a true story. It, it seems like it is, but the story goes um, that there's a small Texas town. It's called Mount Vernon, and uh, uh, Drummond's Bar began this construction on this new building uh, to to increase their business. And the local church there started a campaign to block the bar from opening with petitions and prayers. I mean, they were leaning in, right? Okay, so work is going. It's progressing. And about a week before it was supposed to open, the building got struck with lightning and burned to the ground. And so all the church folk were yay and amen until the guy, the bar owner, took him to court. And he took him to court to sue him. Uh, and they were vehement in court that, now we had nothing to do with this. And so here's the judge. And he commented, I, I don't know how I'm going to decide this case because it appears here that we have a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer and an entire church congregation that does not. <laughs> We're continue this morning with our, a series that we, that we started called Moving Forward uh, to start the new year. And, and really one of the things you probably heard, if you're a guest here, maybe this is the first time, but we're really encouraging our church to, you know, uh, a time of fasting and prayer for 21 days. Now, when we first threw that out there, there were people going, I can't fast for 21 days, <laughs> Jesus name. I'm like, no, we want you to actually just participate somewhere during the 21 days. I mean, if God calls you to fast for 21 days or 40 days, go for it, right? But uh, just, a, just a time to maybe, to maybe give up a meal, give up a, a, maybe a day, maybe a week, and, and just really focus. And I'm going to break down a few things uh, that maybe will help you kind of get into that before I get into the, the Word. So this is like pre-Word 1, and then we'll get into the Word. Amen? So fasting was so common uh, during the, among the early Christians. In fact, it would be strange if you didn't fast. It'd be weird if you didn't. You would be the outlier. You'd be the one-off if you didn't. Okay, And in his book, Hunger for God, John Piper writes this. He said, Christian fasting at its root is the hunger of a homesickness for God. Christian fasting is not only the spontaneous effect of superior satisfaction in God, it is also a chosen weapon against every force in the world that would take that satisfaction away. So I want to do just a quick primer once again. It is typically about laying aside food, okay? Uh, it could be a partial fast like Daniel did in the Old Testament. It could be a day here, there, a meal or two during the day. Some people say that they fast social media or something, but that's more of a discipline, which is not bad either. We need to be more dis disciples are dis disciplined, right? And I think largely what we see is we see uh, a church that needs to learn how to be disciplined more. I'm just saying, I'm not trying to put some legalistic yoke on you, but I'm saying a lot of times we just kind of want to add Jesus and go our merry way without it basically changing who we are. Some say they will fast uh, shopping, and I'm like, okay, cool. If you have an appetite for that, then fast it, you know? Still not really kind of the biblical thing, but um, if you've got an appetite for shopping that's out of control, go for it. Fast something that you have an appetite for. For example... I have no issues fasting liver and onions. I have been fasting liver and onions since I left my mom's house when I was 18. Aren't I spiritual? No, it's just terrible. Every time I run into somebody that loves liver and onions, I'm like, something inside me. I used to be able to eat, once a week we'd have them. It was crazy the abuse that I went through. 
And I would have to, I finally figured out that if you put a pile of mustard on it and a pile of ketchup on it, it was tenable. You know, but I just kind of, anyway. Fasting is not a hunger strike between you and God. It's not you trying to get God to move and do something. Uh, Fasting is not about how God responds to you, but it's about humbling and preparing yourself to respond to God. In James chapter 4 or 6, it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Fasting doesn't move God as much as it prepares you for God to move. Andrew Murray explained it this way. Prayer is reaching out after the unseen. Fasting is letting go of all that is seen and temporal. Fasting helps express, deepen, confirm the resolution that we're ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. Fasting helps you to rule over your flesh. Come on. Someone says, let's fast, and your flesh just grabs you by the throat. Right? Um, you, you, you know, think about so many things in life that we are not able to do unless we're disciplined and we rule over the, the, the stuff that we desire. I mean, think about somebody that is even like in the gym. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm trying to be healthy. I'm trying to live long. I'm trying to live strong. But every time I go to the gym, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to press through this thing that makes me not want to. The first five minutes are the hardest for me. And then the, the last two minutes are really easy. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm messing with you, Billy. I'm messing with you. But, but something here is fasting is about ruling your appetites and not let your appetites rule you. So people in the, in the Old Testament, uh, they, they fasted to hear God more clearly. And it wasn't that God wasn't speaking, but sometimes life and circumstances and your flesh can be the loudest voice and muddy the clarity that we need to hear His voice. So once again, I'm not asking you, we're not asking you to do a 21-day, unless, God, God, unless God has really told you to, but just participate. Do something, start. I remember the first time that I, tried to, that I started fasting, I thought I was going to die after the first meal I missed. And I realized, wow, man, this is really tough, okay? But then you, you just kind of you, you, you know, you lean into it. So start a new discipline, amen? Lean into prayer like you've never leaned into prayer, and I want to talk about prayer. Can we talk about prayer? All right, let's talk about prayer. Because that's another thing that's really hard for God's people to do. I've been a lead pastor for probably 25 years, and I know that what you don't do if you want to gather people is say, we're going to have a prayer meeting. You know, you, I'd be because of like, oh, prayer meeting. We got, we got a great small group here on Saturday nights that basically comes together and, and prays. And man, I'm so grateful for them. You know, we, Robbie and I came in one time and they prayed for us. And man, I felt like I preached the paint off the wall the next Sunday. But there's something about, there's a resistance to, 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 do, to doing the things that, that, that would help us to be healthy and disciplined. And prayer, let's talk about it, is communication with God. Okay. But it's complex. How many of you realize that communication is complex? It's really complex. It's, it's like, have you ever talked to somebody and like they're talking to you and like, um, I'm not really getting what you're throwing down. 
Or you say something, and then by the time it hits two or three other people, it's been totally twisted. That happens a lot. That's like, like, like prayer chains. Aunt Sally sprained her ankle. By the time it goes through 20 people, she just had it cut off. I've heard the weirdest thing because the enemy is always messing with communication. Started in the garden with Adam and Eve. Did God really say this? He started with communication. But no relationship is healthy without communication. And you've got to work through that. There's, there's times when I've, I've had to work in my marriage with communication. You know, there, there, there's, there's times when she wanted to talk and I didn't want to talk. Or I wanted to talk and she didn't want to talk. Or neither one of us wanted to talk, but both of us needed to talk. Because the enemy basically takes that. And then, we, and then we walk through this thing where we communicate verbally, we communicate with facial expressions, we communicate with gestures, we communicate with writing, with drawing, with eye contact. We even communicate in how we breathe at times, don't we? <sighs> right? I've learned don't do that when I'm having a time of intense fellowship with my wife. <sighs> An artist communicates through painting just as God communicates through creation. We communicate verbally, physically. I love sign language. Every once in a while we'll have somebody come in and during worship and they're signing. I'm like, oh, that just touches God's heart. I know it does because it touches my heart. I, I, I mean, I get, like, I get like something in my eyes every time I see it. A musician is communicating something through a song, through a note, through a lyric, through a phrase, through a tone. Musicians communicate. How many of you ever seen somebody's guitar face? Seriously, there is a hilarious video. It's the 10 most famous guitar faces in the world. Crazy, I'll look it up sometime. That's why I don't, I try not to express. I don't want anybody looking at my guitar face. I used to have a guitar face, then I got saved. <laughs> we communicate through emails and texts in the phone. Hey, this is, a, this is crazy, but it's absolutely true. I actually saw this on a newscast. There's a lady that basically charges $450 an hour teaching people how to talk on the phone. How many of you know people that don't like to talk on the phone? I do. You can't get a phone call back from them. I mean, the place could be burning down because it's like, oh my gosh, somebody's on the phone and I got to talk to them. Because we got a generation that's so used to this that when it comes to talking on the phone, I won't say that my wife is great on the phone with me. I mean, she's always guarded. Hey, Robbie, how are you doing? She's like, what does he want? It's okay, honey. I just wanted to hear your voice. Okay, then she warms up a little bit. But we were created after the image of God, and God is a communicator. And He's the initiator of communication. And I think it's telling that the first selfish action after violating the only command that God gave Adam and Eve in the garden was to cover themselves and hide from God. And the strategy of the devil is to bring confusion into what God had said. Did God really say? 
In Genesis 3, verse 8 through 10, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. There are still people today that are hiding themselves from God because they don't realize the love that God wants to express to them. There are believers that hide themselves from God because I don't really want to undergo the correction maybe that God wants to bring into my life. Come on, somebody say, ouch, that can hurt. I just want the good parts of the Bible. I want the fun stuff. I don't want the discipline stuff. And, and so, so I'm telling you what, we got, we got, I, I think there's something that we've got to really embrace as we're moving into this year. Um, we see that God was the first responder. He's still the first responder. He's still looking, reaching, trying to touch, trying to, trying to, trying to speak to people. I made a statement earlier that prayer defined is simply communication with God. And it is, but prayer is so much more. It's complex. To some, prayer becomes only transactional. And I understand why they would go there. Maybe the only time they talk to God is when difficulty arises, but when they don't see the result they want, there's discouragement. Wait a minute, God, I ask you. And it didn't happen. I, you know, you, you may be shocked. I, I've talked to so many people in years of ministry that they'll make the statement, well, I'm just mad at God. Okay, why? Because he didn't give you what you wanted. Or he didn't respond the way that you thought he should respond. Because we have a tendency, we want to try to manipulate God. Don't we? Well, maybe if I just fast for a week, God will do what I want him to do. I'm telling you, we, we, we got to be really careful because a lot of times our motives, God will expose our motives. Or, or how about like, you know, that, you know, the person is like, you know, that only calls you when they need something, you know, ah, so-and-so's on the phone. <laughs> okay. What do you need? What do you want? Only time you call me, only time you call me is when you want something. How many of you got somebody like that in your life? And then you're afraid of picking up the phone. I don't want to make a phone call. I guess I need to go to that lady and have her teach me how to talk on the phone. <laughs> so we've we, we got to kind of walk through this. So I want to give you some thoughts on prayer uh, today. First of all, prayer builds faith. Prayer will build your faith. Okay? You and I were created to hear from God. You don't operate well if you're not hearing from God, if you're not allowing God to communicate to you, through you, with you. God was ongoing conversations. I mean, we see these heroes in the Bible. We see that Enoch walked with God. We see that Noah had this amazing relationship with God. We see that Moses was face-to-face with God. But you know what? Those are not supposed to be the exceptions. Those are the rule. That's what the desire in the heart of God would be. And it's our shape. We were created for that. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And if you don't have this communication, this ongoing relationship with with, with God, then, then, then you're walking kind of unguided, undisciplined. 
You're not walking in the way that God has called you to walk. And the enemy hates communication. And there's a resistance to hearing from God. The Bible says this, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So how do you walk with faith? How do you build your faith? The Bible also says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there is the problem and there is the solution. Faith comes by hearing. That means that I've got to do this. One of the things that I learned early on, because I won't, you know, I'm not going to stand up and say, you know, that I was like a great prayer. You know, I mean, some people, they get up and like, oh my gosh, he's been to the third level and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I'm starting out praying. I'm like, okay, God, pray for my wife, pray for my family, pray for my job, uh, pray for, um, okay, God, Africa, Africa. Pray for Africa. That would really make you happy, God, if I prayed for Africa. You know what I'm saying? And you just kind of, but it's like learning how to communicate with somebody. I didn't know how to communicate with my wife when I first met her. I was like kind of dumbstruck, you know, tongue-tied. You ever see, you ever see that, you know, that person in your life where you're like, whoa, you know, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to blow this. Well, it's, it's learning how to communicate with God. It takes some time. And one of the things that I would encourage you to do is like pray the scripture. Pray the scripture. I mean, for example, in Philippians 4, 6, Paul writes, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. So there's coming to the word and prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. So I can go, okay, Lord, uh, I'm, I'm going to read this. I'm going to get this into my heart, get this into my spirit. Now I'm going to bring everything that I'm anxious about to you in every situation. But I'm also going to thank you along the way. And then something happens. It talks about the peace of Christ which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and guard your mind because now you've had this process of communication that basically reframes how you're looking at stuff. I went through a, 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 a really intense five-year physical battle, illness, where I, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't sure how it was going to turn out. I was really sick, and I kept getting sick. And I know there was a lot of fear in, in, in my wife because she's like, am I going to lose my husband over this? You know, with the next thing that happens, et cetera, et cetera. And man, I'm telling you what, I begin to pray Psalm 103 every day. Blessed be the Lord my God, who, and forget none of his benefits, who forgives all my transgressions and heals all my diseases, who's redeemed me, rescued my life from the pit, crowns me with everlasting kindness and mercy. I mean, I prayed that every day. I'm taking the scripture and I'm going to pray the scripture because I have nowhere else to go. Doctors didn't have an answer. They didn't know what the heck was going on. I mean, I'd see this person, I'd see that person and they'd make an educated guess. And I realized doctors, you know, they're practicing medicine. They're still practicing. They didn't have it right. But I prayed the scripture, man. Amen? Prayer is transformative. It's, it's communication, but it's communication that will transform things. It's transformative. I would submit to you that prayer builds faith and is relational, but prayer is also transformative. You ever spend time with somebody and your accent changes? My, my grandmother, my grandpa had passed away uh, 
when I was like uh, six or seven, and my grandma remarried a, a, a dairy farmer from Canada. And uh, we used to spend summers up on the ranch, up on his farm up in Bonners Ferry. And it was kind of interesting because it was like pretty soon I'm like, hey, it's a great day today. Or you've been, been around somebody from Minnesota, right? <laughs> it's like a boot. <laughs> it's like, you saying boot? No, it's a boat. A, a boat. <clears throat> or you hang around Keanu and pretty soon this thing I've never ever done in my life, I'm doing. Because <laughs> it's contagious. When you're around somebody, you're impacted. My, uh, my mom... My mom uh, basically, uh, when my mom and my dad um, divorced, she took us down to Texas and kind of ran away. And so we lived down in San Antonio for, for two or three years when I was about three years old. And I mean, she, she would tell me, she says, you have, you have the biggest southern accent. You talk about taxes. Because it's like, there's my environment. And in my environment, it's actually going to change. It's going to impact me. So what environment do you find yourself in? Where are you plugging into? Where are you getting most of your download? You know, because it will, it's transformative. Have you ever been with someone that loves doing something so much you identify them with that thing that they do? You know, it's like, ah, when I think of so-and-so, it's like, I think of fishing. When I think of so-and-so, I think of hunting. I think of so-and-so, I think of shopping thrift stores. When I think of somebody... Right? And, 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 and so uh, somebody loves to read. They love to play basketball. They love to hunt. How about King David in the Old Testament? In Psalm 109.4, he writes this, In return for my love, they accuse me, but I give myself to prayer. That was his statement. The original Hebrew translation says, but I am prayer. We translated it, but if you go back to the original he makes a statement, I am prayer. I, I'm not just someone that prays, I am prayer. That's what he wanted to be known for. He didn't want to be identified as a king, but as a man called to pray, known to pray, associated with prayer. That prayer would dictate his priorities, and not priorities would dictate his prayer. Moses, I love the story of Moses, was transformed by prayer. Initially, God got his attention with a burning bush, and so he turned to see. But that burning bush encounter changed Moses' priorities and focus, and he became the instrument of God to an enslaved people. In prayer, in this conversation with God, he became aware of God's heart for, for Israel. And, that, and he heard God's heart to set his people free, and then he partnered with what God wanted to do on the earth. And later we see that God would meet with Moses face to face and he'd come down from the mountain and have to put a veil over his face because it would be such a transformation. Oh, wouldn't it be amazing as if we're in that place of prayer that when we come out, the world sees something so different that we're not trying to fit in. We're actually trying to transform something. But we work so hard to just make sure that we fit in. We work so hard to make sure that we don't stand out. But you know, the Bible actually calls you a peculiar person. They call you, a, we are a peculiar people. 
Because we're called by His name. We're identified by, by our relationship with Him. And we should act differently, walk differently. And I'm not talking about some sort of a religious, legalistic thing. I'm talking about the transformation that happens on the inside because you are in communi- dynamic communication with God. Should actually change every way that you work. Should change how you do business. Should change how you do it in your school, in your education. You are a walking hope chest because Jesus, the hope of glory, is in you. You know, the greatest transformation is, in prayer is us. It's us. It's like you can't be a poser when you're praying. Oh God, I'm here today. And he knows your heart. Like, yeah, you know what you were doing yesterday? You're messing around with pornography. I mean, come on, we, you can't do this. So a lot of times that's why we don't want to pray because we're afraid that the light of, of, of the Spirit of God will actually expose some things that we just don't really want to, we got appetites for. Sometimes we got appetites that just aren't godly. That's a lot of times why I didn't want to pray with my wife. My wife would say, hey, would you pray with me? I'd be like, oh, man, I don't want to pray with you. Number one, I felt kind of like she was a lot more spiritual than I was. She, she reads the Bible a lot more than I did. She prays a lot more than I. She listens to millions and millions of podcasts. She's got to be smarter than me. But I'm going to pray. Uh, I'm going to pray. But you know what? Some of it is because when I'm praying with my spouse, I can't be a poser. If I've been angry with her, I gotta come and I gotta I gotta say, okay, I'll just pray together, but man, I I really I I really yelled at you yesterday. I got really irritated. I got whatever. And the same thing. She 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 can't come and pray with me when she's like, you know, busted a move. The greatest transformation when we pray is in us. Here's my next point. Prayer will change your language. Now, if you're, you know, Holy Spirit filled charismatic Pentecostal. We, we believe and talk about a prayer language, but prayer will change your language. See, God will give you something worthwhile to say in prayer. I want, I want you to hear me. Have you ever been in conversation with someone and they tell you something you've not known and you find yourself reproducing it? Like last week, Pastor Stephen said something I'd never heard. He said, studies show that the average person cannot stand more than 15 seconds of silence Have you ever been in a room where it got really silent and it got really awkward? Well, you know, I told that story twice in the first service, and I've just told it a third time because what I heard, I reproduced. Prayer changes your language because God will speak some things into you by His Word and by His Spirit that actually gives you something worthwhile saying. You reproduce. It's like a. It's like a. It's like a, a, a student that goes and learns and then becomes a teacher, and re reproduces what they've been taught. Isaiah fifty verse four says, "The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary." Morning by morning, he awakens, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. There are people all around you that need the transformative power of prayer that can and will happen with you. God speaks in public to those who first speak to him in private. You're not going to have anything to say in public if God's not speaking to you in private. 
There's a Cardinal Raniero Cantamalesa says this, the more you're called to speak, the more you're called to listen. You know, the, the, the Bible also says this, where words are many, sin is not absent. And you know why that is? Because a lot of times we're reproducing stuff that we're not hearing from God. We're just reproducing stuff that we're hearing on the newscast or, or this thing or that thing. We're reproducing stuff. Consistent prayer is going to train your ear. John 10, verse 1 through 5. Jesus said this. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by any other way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. Now listen to this. Listen. This is really important. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep out by name and leads them. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes in before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now here's the point. In that John chapter 10 passage, Jesus taught that principle four times. I think it must have been important. It must have been important. Four times that we need to know his voice. I was... Uh, I was out uh, hunting uh, uh, a couple weeks ago with, with some guys uh, from the church, and, and we, you know, we had a couple bird dogs out there, and, and we got, you know, everybody, with like seven of us, and, and we're all, you know, when you're out there, you need to have blaze orange, you know, orange cap and this stuff, so, you know, you don't swing and shoot your buddy, that would not be good. Um, and it's kind of interesting, because on my little Molly dog, she's a little red setter, and, um, uh, I have a collar on her, and I have a tone. And when she gets too far away or whatever, I'll just hit the tone, and she hears that little beep beep, and she starts looking for me. Well, the problem is I could see down in here that there's five other guys that are dressed very similar to me. And so she's running up to Jason, or she's running up to so-and-so or whatever, and I'm like, dog, dog. And finally, I whistled. And when I whistled, she knew my voice, and she ran to me. See, here's the problem, is a lot of times we have things that look like God. They might smell like God a little bit. They might whatever, but you've got to, you've got to, there's a lot of junk out there. There's a lot of chap out there. There's a lot of, you know, misinformation out there. There's a lot of stuff. There's a, you know, the 30-year-old guy that's living in the basement of his mom thinking he's the theologian out there, and he's posting stuff and somewhere, and he's not connected to anything, and it's not good doctrine. You got to know. And if you if you don't, if you don't know God and know his voice and know his word, you will be fooled. And you'll find yourself in a place where this feels like God and you have no clue because you are not in that in that preparation in that time of prayer. Prayer changes things. Because communication with God changes things. The Apostle Paul wrote about prayer opening doors, closing doors, contending. Daniel writes about prayer bring, bringing clarification. Daniel had a vision, and basically he prayed for revelation. 21 days later, the angel of the Lord came to him and said, your prayers were heard, but there's been war contention 
I mean, prayer is pushing through some things. Prayer is breaking through some things. Because any time you're in communication with God and He's dropping stuff into your spirit and your heart, you're actually in this process where you're beginning to bring heaven to earth. You cannot bring, you can pray, let your, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven if you're not praying that and, and, and partnering with God to see how that happens. But a lot of times we, we talk about prayer and we're talking about struggling. Uh, Paul wrote this uh, in Colossians 412, he says, Epaphras, who was one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayer that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Prayer is the communicative vehicle that brings heaven to earth. Jesus said this in John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. And a lot of times we're like, praise God, there is a Santa Claus. It's like, no. Because what happens is if, is if I'm truly, if, if I'm abiding in Him, and His words are abiding in me, then the things that I'm asking for are changing. They're not things that are my desires. They're things that are His desires. And if I'm praying according to His will, then He basically partners with that and begins to affect something that actually transforms things around me. Man, sometimes we just we can be so selfish in our stuff and then when God doesn't give us what we want that we think, well, God's not listening. No, we're probably not praying in accordance with the Lord's will. And in that communication and abiding and we're abiding in Him, He's abiding in us, then it changes everything. It changes the filter of how we approach things. Prayer changes your heart towards your workplace. Change, prayer changes your heart towards your adversary. Come on, you, want, you don't want to pray for somebody that you're offended with. Get them, Lord. Justice of God, come down. See, try praying for your adversary enough and your heart will change toward them as the kingdom filter begins to help you see things differently. Instead of get them, Lord, it becomes touch them, God. Touch them, God. I can't do anything here. I, I just need you to touch them. And you'll find that if you continue to pray and press in, something, something that happens. This is a super convicting scripture in Isaiah 59 or 58 verse 9. I don't think we even have it up there, but I'm going to read it to you. This hit me this morning as I'm praying and just trying, okay, God, what do you want to say? It says in Isaiah 58, 9, then you shall call, that sounds like prayer to me, and the Lord will answer. I like that. Cool. Call. He'll answer. How many of you want to call and have God answer? It's good. And he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Jesus, please forgive us. Forgive us. Prayer should change the way that we, that we speak of people, the way that we think of people. And it's so easy. Criticism is not a gift of the Holy Spirit. Suspicion is not a gift of the Holy Spirit. And yet we fall prey to that stuff. Can I just say this, church? We find ourselves running amok in that junk all the time. 
conspiracy spirits. That's not of God. Man, because I, because I, know, I know what the voice of God is. I know what the Word says. I know that I actually, we are in a victorious time. There's never been another time to be part of what Jesus is building. Think about just what Jesus is building. He's building the church. It's the only thing He said He would build. So even when I have people that are like, they're critical of the, the church, I'm like, ooh, you just better be super careful because that's real easy to do. And yet, you know, any builders here this morning? I got any builders? Got, got some builders here this morning. How, what, what kind of relationship would I have with you if every time I walked by your house I went, oh man, you're just doing a poor job, bro? We wouldn't have a relationship. I mean, think about this. This is what Jesus is building. It's not perfect, but yet, when you look in Ephesians chapter 5, he's coming for a bride without spot or wrinkle. And so it's like, oh, hands off. I mean, I kind of agree, but I'm not going there. That's why you'll never hear me from the pulpit talk about another ministry. I just like, I got to leave him to God. I'm not, I'm not going there because I don't know everything that Jesus is doing. But I know what he is building. And what he's building is going to be victorious. What he's building is in his heart. What he's building is if I want to stay in great relationship with my builder buddy, i got to quit tearing down what he's building because it wouldn't work very good. And that changes because I'm in communication with God and I understand what he's trying to do. In the, in the book of Daniel, it talks about the kingdom of God will become like a, a mountain that will fill the whole earth. Like, oh God, we win. We win. I have a victorious eschatology. Eschatology is the study of end times. I have a victorious eschatology because I recognize, well, what about the seven churches in Revelation where Jesus was kind of getting, well, that's Jesus and that ain't you. Jesus gets to do that. You don't, right? So, I mean, you just got to kind of walk through this stuff. And finally, conversations start journeys. Think about how many journeys relationally that has been started in your life with just a conversation. I love the story of the, a young boy named Samuel who was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Let's have our worship team come up. And, and, and it's kind of, it, it's amazing because the Bible says that the word of God was rare in those days. Can I just say this, church? Let's not let the word of God be rare. But it says the word of God was rare in those days. And the story goes that God began to call him in the first time and the second time and he, di he didn't know or recognize what was happening. I'm going to pick it up in, in verse uh, 8 of 1 Samuel 3. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you've called me. And then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. And therefore Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. Change. Get back into the correct posture. I mean, that speaks of posture. Not, not that you have to lie down, okay, when you pray. We're not going to make a new rule. When you pray, you must lie down. That's, not, that's what religion does. Religion would take that and say, okay, you got to be lying down, and then your prayers will be answered. Like, stop that stuff. But he said, he said, he said to him, go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak for your servant hears. And so Sam, you know, here, here's, a, here's a crazy thing too. Okay. Do you think that God was big enough to actually instruct Samuel himself? 
Yes. But what did he do? He didn't do that. He actually used Eli. He used a man to basically kind of teach him how to hear from the Lord. If you don't know how to hear from the Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage you, man. Get discipled. Let somebody speak into your life. Now here's Paul. I love this story. Paul's on the road to Damascus. He's been persecuting the church. He's been killing Christians. He's been hauling them away. And basically, Jesus meets him and knocks him off his, you know what? Blinds him. And then what does the Lord speak to him? Do you think God could have actually given him the full instructions right there? He could have, but he didn't do that. He said, go to a man named Ananias. He'll tell you what to do. Wow. So God will use people around you to help you cultivate, help you hear, help inspire you, help to train you how to hear from God and how to walk this walk. It's not just about saying, Jesus, I'm yours today, and now I guess I got it all figured out. No, that's the start of the journey. That's a conversation that you just had with God that says, all right, I'm opening my heart, now I'm going to walk with you. Now it's time to get trained, time to get equipped, trying to figure out how to basically do it. I love this because not only was Samuel given instruction to position himself again in the temple and near the Ark of the Covenant, but he began to learn to hear the voice of the Lord. It's time for the people of God to position themselves once more in the presence of God. In the presence of God, making it a priority, not an add-on. Not be like, well, you know what? I, I think it's good. Honey, you got anything going on Sunday? No, I don't. Well, let's go ahead, let's go ahead and go to church. Or you got anything going on for a worship night? No, I don't have any conflicts. Well, let's go ahead and go to a worship night. Or let's go to a, a Jesus night. Or let's go to a conference. Let's, why don't we make those the priority of our life? It might be like Joshua, who when Moses would leave the tent of meeting, he would stay. Because you know what? He saw this amazing intimacy that Moses had with God were coming down from the mountain he'd even have to cover his face and he'd going I think I'm created for something like that I think there's a hole in my life where I don't have that I don't have what I see in somebody else I've tried to fill it by the right girl the right job the right house the right whatever and it's still empty in me because I'm created for the presence of God. I'm created to talk with God and walk with God and hear from God. And there's a desperate world that's out there that's dying because we're not reproducing the sound that God wants to put into you and to me, into us, and reproduce hope in the gospel and the good news. I love that God initiated a conversation with Samuel and then he had to learn what the voice of God sounded like. And it ended up an incredible journey for Samuel. A journey that started with a boy that positioned himself where the ark of the Lord was. And then God called him, initiated a conversation. A conversation with God can start you dreaming again. A conversation with God can start an amazing ministry through you. A conversation with God can put you on the road to recovery. A conversation with God can lead you to repentance and to restoration. A conversation with God can actually bring healing into your marriage. A conversation with God can change your workplace, 
change your educational place. It can change your home. A conversation with God can change how you parent. If you're frustrated and you can't get those kids to do what you want them to do, listen, start talking to God and he'll start downloading. A conversation with God can start you on a journey to healing. A conversation with God can help you repair relational collateral damage. A conversation with God can restore hope and joy and peace. And maybe you're here today and God's initiating a conversation with you that'll take you on a great relational journey with Him. Maybe you're here this morning and there's a sound of invitation. Can I just take a moment and pray? Lord, right now, I pray that the ears of people in this place would be open. Open our ears. Open our ears right now, Jesus. Help us to push aside the sound of a culture. Help us to push aside the voices that are competing. Help us to hear you. Somebody's going to get free today if you respond respond to the conversation that God wants to have. Somebody's going to get set free. Somebody's going to get set from addiction today. Somebody's going to be healed today. But we've got to hear from God. We've got to hear Him. Somebody's going to be encouraged today. Somebody's going to walk in such a, a steady way this year because you're, 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 you're going to start on this, this conversation with God, Him abiding in you, you abiding in Him. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never started a conversation with God, but I want you to hear the invitation. Maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you're not a Jesus follower. Maybe you've kind of heard about stuff and maybe you've felt stuff, but I'm telling you right now, here's the invitation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hears and opens, I will come in. That's the beginning of that journey of walking with Jesus. Maybe you've been hiding from God. Maybe you've been ignoring God. God's not been hiding from you. He's not been ignoring you. But today, I'm going to give you an opportunity just right now. If you're here this morning and you've just never taken that step of what we would call salvation, that step to begin that journey of becoming a follower of Jesus. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if you believe that Jesus was the Son of God, that He died and was raised up again, you profess and confess Him with your heart. You're opening the door of your heart, and He comes in. If that's you today and you say, Pastor, I've never done that, but today, this new year, I'm going to be a new person. I'm going to be a new creation. And I'm going to do that. I want you to just raise your hand right now. Let me let me just agree with you right where you sit. Anybody else this morning? Today's the day. If I didn't see you, go ahead and put your hand up again because we want to we want to celebrate with you. If you're online this morning and you feel like yes, I want to do that, man. I want to open the door of my heart. You can text H O T L to nine seven zero zero zero, and we just want to partner with you and walk with you. 